Hello and welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Forrest Hansen. Last week we began the strength of motivation with an episode dedicated to learning how to like without wanting. When we do this, we can pursue our goals with passion and purpose, without becoming painfully attached to them. Today we're continuing motivation by diving into the passion side of that passion and purpose equation. We need passion to sustain motivation towards our goals, but there's a fine line between healthy passion and unhealthy righteousness, anger, and stress. To help us get the most out of our passion, I'm joined today by Dr. Rick Hansen. Dad, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling mildly passionate about this topic. (laughs) So in the book Resilient, you describe a kind of family of experiences and emotions. On the healthy side, there's pursuing a big goal with dedication, being assertive, cheering on family or friends, or generally feeling eager, delighted, and enthusiastic. On the unhealthy side, there might be the stress of changing careers, or irritation with a loved one, or generally feeling a lot of anxiety, frustration, and anger. I think that most people look at those two sets of emotions and would describe them as being wildly different. Uh, Why was it that you chose to group them together? Yeah, in both cases, there's a fair amount of activation of the sympathetic wing of the autonomic nervous system, Mm -hmm. which is associated with the fight-flight revving up process that we have evolved to deal with threats and pursue opportunities. Mm -hmm. The key difference between those two sets of emotions you just listed or ways of experiencing things, in the first case, there's a lot of positive emotion. Mm -hmm. But in the second case, it's mainly negative emotion. Mm. And obviously, negative emotion is not bad. That said, two points. Point one, in some circles, the sympathetic wing of the nervous system has gotten a bad name because Mm. it's become conflated with stress and stressing the body. So any kind of revving up, bad. And therefore, what we need to do is to remain quiet. Mm -hmm. And some of that a little bit has tended to come, I think, from some of the contemplative traditions uh, in various religious uh, traditions, uh, with a emphasis there on tranquility, which is wonderful. But the side effect of that has been to cast a big wet blanket on what's appropriate about revving up. We need to rev up to pursue a big goal, to sustain effort over time, to be enthusiastic about our kids, to move into rapport with other people who are really happy about something, we need to be able to rev up. Revving up itself, especially moderate sympathetic activation, Mm -hmm. uh, is not itself stressful. It's not equal to stress. The key distinction is the presence or absence of positive emotion. If we're revved up with feelings of happiness and connection with others and self-worth and delight, that's enthusiasm. That's what we're calling healthy passion here, as you know. The other side of it, though, if we're revved up along with irritability, exasperation, frustration, upset, well, that's the hallmark fundamentally of stress. That's the fundamental difference. And so what we're going to explore here, which I'm excited about, is how can people be ambitious? How can they work on projects? How can they be engaged in their family? with the benefits of enthusiasm Mm -hmm. and a kind of joie de vivre, joy Mm -hmm. in living, without getting caught up in stressful drivenness with frustration along the way. Mm -hmm. You gave a last kind of set of examples right there when you were talking about being active around the house, pursuing a big goal, whatever it might be. Would you mind giving a concrete example? 
of applying positive emotion alongside that activation as opposed to applying negative emotion alongside that activation that might help kind of guide people to see the places where they're doing one or the other in their own lives. Sure. So a recent example, as you know, we've been having to move a lot of stuff around in our house because we've had to do some uh, reconstruction of a bedroom area that had some mold damage. And so here we are, uh, lots and lots of things to move around, clothes, boxes, shoes. In the process of moving them around, you've got to clear out the garage, sort it, put them there. Really fairly trivial problems. I want to be really clear Very about much it. a first world problem, but yeah, a problem yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, but I, I bet people can kind of relate to it. So mm-hmm. it's a, lot of, a fair amount of what could be called a hassle. And I was just watching my own mind, uh, two different ways to relate to the same tasks. Mm. Uh, one way of relating to it might be a pretty typical one with a lot of negative emotion. I'm irritated. It's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's making me sneeze. I don't like that. I'm under time pressure. Why do other people have so much crud in the living room? Oh my God, it's all falling on my shoulders yet again to be the conscientious orderly one in my home with my little OCD-ishness drifting in. That's stress. Sure. Alternately, I was just noticing that I was really having a good time with it. I was Hmm. feeling the happiness. I was looking for opportunities for satisfaction in that I was getting little goals done along the way, one box at a time. And... um, (laughs) I, I like ordering things. I, I like the aesthetics of a nice, clean, clear space. Sure, I, I call yeah. my aesthetic as sort of like Zen Scandinavian, sort of open. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, I was having a good time. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, the you probably had to read it in school, right? Tom Sawyer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic. Remember, obviously, the fence painting? Sure, painting I, the fence, yeah. Yep. Tom he doesn't want to be painting that fence. Mm-hmm. And it's just a total drag to him. He's experiencing stress. One of his buddies rolls by, and Tom basically starts describing the painting of the fence as the most fun available for any kind of human being ever on the great planet. Mm -hmm. And he cons or talks his uh, buddy into painting the fence and being really excited about it as if he was going to the circus. Mm -hmm. Right there, same task, Mm -hmm. absolutely same task, painting the fence, but a very different way of relating to it. I think that's a great and really classic example. And what you're really saying is that sympathetic nervous system activation, activating the SNS, is neither an inherently good nor bad thing. Is that more or less correct? Yeah, definitely. So, but it's just about how you guide that activation kind of through time and space. Yeah. But there's something about it that does make you more vulnerable to negative experiences. Is that right? It's really astute. You're exactly right. There was this funny um, example in which I was watching the San Francisco 49ers, especially when they were good in their heyday, (laughs) and they were in the playoffs or something like that, and they had just scored a touchdown in the closing minutes, and you know how kind of intense a close football game could be in the Mm -hmm. closing minutes. I was really happy. I was whooping and hollering. They had just done really well, so Mm -hmm. I was revved up Mm -hmm. and experiencing tons of positive emotion Mm -hmm. when I remember your mom calling out or asking me a question, really neutral question, like, have you, where's the jacket or are you going to, do you want to have lunch now or something? And I got so irritated with her mm. and it was shocking to, and I could see in myself, and I think this is true for people in general, that when you're revved up with the sympathetic nervous system, your heart is beating faster. You are breathing faster. Mm-hmm. Your reactions are quicker. And uh, the parts of the brain that 
also entwine with the sympathetic wing of the nervous system for threat responding, notably the amygdala, they're primed now. They're getting ready, right? Even though you're still experiencing positive emotions. And then if an irritant lands in your space where Mm -hmm. there's an obstruction to your enthusiastic goal when you're really excited, it's easy, really easy to flip into intense irritation or snappishness way out of proportion to the little tiny speed bump you've run into. Mm -hmm. And there's a big takeaway there. So I think for me, there are sort of two cautions. One is if you're really revved up, to me, it's a yellow flag condition. Because to be clear, even while we're being moderately revved up, the body is producing stress hormones, or more exactly, it is releasing adrenaline and cortisol. And while we're adapted to managing moderate intermittent levels of these, one of the things that happens if we're awash in moderate cortisol chronically Mm -hmm. is that there are ways in which that are quite complex and yet still real and becoming more and more understood in science that chronic cortisol activation can get engaged with chronic inflammation. Mm -hmm. And then second, inflammation chronically especially can induce a cascade of messengers called cytokines Mm. that move up into the brain and lodge there, especially lodging in the brain in the hypothalamus in particular, and as a result, depressing people's mood. Mm. So you can see a sequence. There you are at work, you're working long hours, you like your job, you're enthusiastic about it, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a startup business, maybe you really like your coworkers. To jump in for one second here, you're describing what I would call healthy passion. Is that more or less correct? Yeah. Let's say mm-hmm. you're in the zone of healthy passion, Great. just like we're saying. And and still, there's a lot of it. And uh, over time, that sustained healthy passion may be combined with other things like really long hours of work, 10, sure. 12 yeah. hours a day, six days a week, week after week after week. Quote, unquote, stressful experiences. Well, maybe you're not yet really stressed, okay. but you're in this yellow zone. A stressor, zone. like something that could be stressful. It could be wearing, could mm. be wearying. Okay. And it's interesting to appreciate the difference between fatigue and stress. Yeah, I think you're drawing a key distinction there just in the language that I'm using. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and w- there's the old line, differentiate to integrate. So I'm deliberately differentiating for clarity purposes here. The things that tire us out from the things that stress us out. Mm, mm-hmm. That's a really important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. But if you combine them, uh, fatigue over time becomes stressful. It, mm-hmm. it wears us down. Sure. So anyway, bottom line it. Imagine a person clocking year after year after year in a job that's not horrible. They're happy. They're, they're not resting in hostility. They're not in this kind of type A personality zone where they're both really intense and also hostile. Mm-hmm. That's the bad combination. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Week after week, year after year, they're kind of marinating in cortisol, moderate levels of cortisol, which gradually uh, sensitize the body to an inflammatory response, gradually kindle uh, a chronically inflammatory response. And as part of that whole cascade, sometimes uh, increasing the activity of certain cytokines moving up to the brain and gradually gradually depressing a person's mood. Mm. And I've actually known a number of people who three, four, five years into their big job, have a sense of puzzlement and dismay. Mm-hmm. They don't feel, the way they would say it is, they say, Rick, I don't feel as happy as I ought to be. Things are working. I like my job. My relationships are fine. 
mm-hmm. but I just don't have that old get up and go. And there's a decline of function and mood that's greater than you would expect just simply due to aging, mm-hmm. especially in early middle age. Mm-hmm. And the real truth is there, and then people use language like burnout, but to me, that's such a fuzzy term. What does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. But if you look closely, you can retell the story as the yes, this was someone who maybe landed in that big job with a perfectly robust constitution. They weren't already vulnerable or or sensitive in some way. Still, three, four, five years of that, in part due to the mechanisms I've described, can lead to that result of a certain ennui, a certain, uh, I'm not enjoying things as much as I ought to. How come? And then what can I do? Yeah, the experience that you're describing there, to peel the curtain back a little bit, we're going a little bit off book here. We didn't really prep this material, but I think it's a super interesting topic. I just have a ton of empathy for it. In my own life, I've consistently had experiences of, wow, this is objectively great. Mm-hmm. My relationships are great. I make enough money. My home life is very stable. I live in a great place. I got good friends. You know, all of that good core stuff. But there's just something where enough repetition will wear almost anyone out. And I don't know if that's mm. a stress experience yeah. or if it's just the experience of kind of being on the hamster wheel mm. and sort of running the same race day after yeah. day. And I think that distinguishing between those two things is kind of tricky for a lot of people. I'm not really honestly sure which one it is in my own life. But mm. What do you feel is repetitive? Because there is a lot of variety in your life. Yeah, there is. But I would say that the normal workday for most people, myself included, has just a certain sense of repetition. Then at the end of the day, it's kind of over. You do whatever you do, and you wake up the next morning and more or less do it again. So I just think that that's something that probably wears on a lot of people, maybe even more so than it does on me. How would you tease apart the element of repetition mm. from the element of meaninglessness? Wow, well, I mean, I think that's a that's probably a big question in a lot of people's lives, <laughs> right? Know, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not saying that it's and, meaningless just because it's repetitive. I want exactly to kind of be right. clear about that. I want to separate yeah. those, and I yeah. want to be clear too. This is an exploration. It's not a gotcha. I don't know the I don't know the answer. I was just suddenly realizing. Some people like repetition. It's mm, simple. Mm-hmm. And you could think about many people have hobbies that have a repetitive quality. Yeah. Like, in a lot of ways, I don't dislike repetition, to your point. And so it makes me wonder about lack of meaning. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that there are ways where maybe from a passion perspective, before we started recording this episode, you sort of commented offhand that sometimes addressing the topic of healthy passion as a whole forces people to kind of come face to face with whether or not they have passion about the things that yeah. they're doing. And there are definitely a lot of things that I do, to be clear, that I've got a lot of positive passion sure. about. But there are also things that I do that I don't so much have passion yeah. about. And maybe that's the difference there. Yeah, well, one point is, I, I was just have, was reflecting earlier that in our culture, uh, we have these ideals. Mm. And there's this language in psychology, the ego ideal. So, and what do we aspire to be? Mm-hmm. In, including a lot of semi-conscious or even unconscious values or aspirations, things we just seem take for granted or they seem self-evident. For example, in business, it seems self-evident that the archetype of the quote-unquote right way to be, if you're at all ambitious, is someone who 
kind of looks like Tony Robbins mm-hmm. on almost mm-hmm. any day or some sure. culturally variable uh, version of constant that. activation and push and drive towards the goal. So enthusiastic, yeah, so lit up. Mm-hmm. I've got my five-year plan. I have my dreams. I'm dreaming big dreams. I got my dream board at home. I keep it up on the wall. I renew it every year mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Speaking a little bit about myself, for example, <laughs> it's kind of a model, right? Yeah. And I've known people who really just didn't feel it. And then inside, though, they felt a little embarrassed or ashamed or abashed. Oh, I think it's absolutely embarrassing. Yeah. Honestly, I've had this experience many times, and we've talked about it a little bit on previous episodes, where I was never really the kid who like wanted to be an astronaut when I grew yeah, up. Right. I, I didn't necessarily have that kind of clear career path laid mm-hmm. out from day one. Yeah. And in this culture, there absolutely is a way where if you don't have your kind of plan, quote unquote, figured mm-hmm. out, you're sort of viewed as a bit of a deadbeat on yeah. a certain level. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You're just wasting time. And so I think sometimes we kind of make stuff up. Yeah. You know, somebody, it's the classic version of like, how's your day? And you say, oh, it's fine, even though you just fought with your wife at home. And yep. this is kind of the motivational version of that. Yeah. Where we kind of pretend that we have passion towards a goal and maybe we don't actually. Yeah. And connecting the dots. So you, you got people who feel embarrassed or guilty or somehow inadequate because they don't have passion. So then they fake having passion mm. in some mm-hmm. subtle or gross ways, which adds a sense of falseness mm. and imposterness mm-hmm. to, and therefore meaninglessness mm-hmm. to the activities of their days. So the bottom line takeaway for me is, On the one hand, be able to rev up. Mm, mm -hmm. Like a lot of people have this sort of internal governor. They won't let themselves get excited. They won't be big. They won't be loud. They won't be playful. They won't uh, sustain an an intensity for for various reasons, including experiences previously in life in which that intensity in them was punished or shamed or led to bad outcomes in third grade or in their family system. So on the one hand, there's an issue of people not letting themselves rev up appropriately. On the other hand, there's an issue of people getting too revved up for too long, mm-hmm. even with positive emotion, mm-hmm. uh, making them vulnerable to a kind of snappish irritability if they're frustrated and also vulnerable over time to a slow, subtle wearing out of themselves. To me, those are the two things to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's important to be able to hit the gas pedal and rev up appropriately, but then come on back to sort of mild, sustainable uh, enthusiasm and joy that you can uh, do over the long haul. Okay, great. So you're talking about a state that sustainably you're able to drive towards the goals that you want to pursue with a sense of purpose, marrying that then with positive emotions that kind of keep you stably in the green zone, to put it maybe another way, that keep that fast car in the lanes on the highway rather than kind of swerving from side to side, which is what happens when we get that negative emotion revving up. Yeah. Great. So I think that the next natural question is what can we do to keep the car inside of the guidelines as that SNS begins to rev up? In other words, how can we stay in the green zone and keep ourselves in healthy passion rather than tipping into some of those problematic states that you were mentioning before. Yeah. Well, one of the first things I can immediately think of relates to what we were talking about, about a sort of soft burnout Mm. that Mm -hmm. I think many people experience where there's this internal sense of dismay uh, that I'm just not enjoying life as much Mm. as I 
seemingly ought to, mm-hmm. given the facts of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to look for a way in which what you're doing connects to your values. Mm. And the values can be really simple. Like, okay, I have a value on helping my home work. So I'm moving a bunch of boxes around and that's okay. Also, I think it's helpful to look inside and be willing to dust off and protect inspiring values or inspiring forms of meaning. To realize, for example, that what you're doing is linked to a larger purpose, such as the ways in which the institution you work for, like mm-hmm. a hospital or a company that's helping people, even while making a product a profit, that there's a larger purpose that you're part of and you're mm-hmm. and you're helping. Or even simply, if what you're doing doesn't seem particularly connected to a larger purpose, deep in your heart, there can be a quality of service in it. Mm. Or that you're doing what you're doing to draw on the Hindu term karma yoga. You're doing the yoga of effort, Mm. the yoga of work in the world, so that even if the results uh, objectively or practically of your work don't seem very significant to you, you're sweeping the sidewalk in front of the store day after day after day. But if you're doing it with a sense that uh, this thing that I'm doing is part of an even spiritual process, perhaps, certainly a form of mind, mind training in the broadest sense, then that's another way to give it meaning. And there's actually a lot of research that one of the major factors for people who are recovering from trauma is whether they had a sense of meaning mm-hmm. wrapped around what they went through. So finding a sense of purpose or meaning is one way to stay kind of rooted in that green zone, yep. healthy passion. That's right. What's another one? New research has shown that uh, it's important to be comfortable with your body revving up mm. to face a challenge without labeling it, oh, I'm getting really stressed. Mm-hmm. If you, rather than that, label it as, oh, this is my body's natural, evolved, strong way of managing these situations, then it doesn't necessarily mean that you're moving into a war zone, Mm -hmm. that your body is revving up. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you can have a sense of greater confidence that you'll actually be okay in the situation, like giving a presentation at work or facing... Uh, an argumentative person, or dealing with something on the job that you're not so sure that you know how to do. Mm, mm -hmm. So you can know that your revving up Mm. will actually increase the odds of success. Mm -hmm. And labeling in your own mind or framing in your own mind the revving up as positive Mm -hmm. and productive will help you not feel so stressed by it. Mm -hmm. To speak to maybe a related aspect of that, I certainly have a lot of friends who might be met by some kind of great opportunity that's naturally revving. Let's say that they have to go in and give a presentation at work. And even if they accept that revving process as kind of a natural part of the cycle, Uh there's something about the experience itself that they know it's going to be stressful. So they start stressing themselves out before the experience actually happens. It's kind of that preemptive worrying that we've talked about a little bit in the past. Are there any suggestions that you would give to somebody who knows that they're going to be entering maybe a stressful or challenging circumstance that could kind of prepare them for it? That's a really interesting question. Mm. And I think one of the best ways to prep yourself for Mm. that sort of thing is to prime yourself in advance Mm. with positive emotion. So now I'm going to give you a weird physical metaphor. Okay. I grew up in LA and I spent a lot of time in pools. And one of the fun things I would do is I would sort of 
uh, standing in the water, I would shove it with my hand mm, mm-hmm. uh, to produce a wave sure. that would then roll toward another person or roll yeah. toward a ball and would move the ball. And that was just kind of neat. Well, I think a lot of life is about shoving the water at time one and then reaping the benefits of that mm. at time two. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe time two is only five minutes later or five days later. But what a lot of life is about uh, is setting waves in motion, currents in motion in your life that the future you will be able to serve. So if, for example, before you go into that meeting, you just deliberately think of things that uh, I would say in a a kind of high energy way, Mm. bring positive emotion to you, that's going to tend to prime you for that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, uh, emotions tend to be arrayed around two axes, mm. from a low to high intensity and negative to positive. It's a little more complicated than that, but you can group a lot of emotions in these ways. It kind of gives you four quadrants in effect. You have the negative end of the spectrum, then the positive end of the spectrum. And in terms of positive emotions, let's say, you have low intensity positive emotions like tranquility mm. uh, or subtle awareness of gratitude that's more conceptual. And then at the high intensity, you have people who are jumping for joy in the happiest moment of their life. Uh, So you can see the distinction there. So if you're going to move into a meeting where you want to be able to be energized because you've got to cope and function and to be comfortable with being energized, so I would pick priming yourself uh, with emotions that have a certain rev factor to them So you might deliberately watch some really silly, funny thing involving little baby kittens, or uh, you might uh, just watch something uh, quickly on YouTube that really makes you laugh, a fantastic comedy routine, Mm, mm -hmm. or uh, just remember maybe skiing. I'm just thinking here, pull up a skiing video, or just Mm. think of a time you did something out in wilderness that you were enthusiastic about, or you were skateboarding or something. To kind of get yourself going. Yeah, you're getting that energizing experience going in the body, but it's strongly associated towards a positive experience. That's right. Highly um, positive emotionally. And then now that you've pushed that wave in motion, you can reap the rewards when you walk into the boardroom. Great. So the three that you've established so far are finding a sense of purpose or meaning in the tasks that you're performing. The second one is understanding that the body revving up is a natural part of the process and not trying to fight that side of things. And then the final one that you just gave is priming the body with positive emotion before you enter a potentially stressful circumstance. Do you have maybe one more thought to kind of leave people with on the point of staying inside of healthy passion? Yeah, this one's a really important one. We've talked about it a bit before. It's the idea uh, of looking for lots of little stem Mm. along the way. Mm-hmm. STEM is my made-up shorthand for stimulation. Experiences of novelty or freshness, like switching gears, or seeing something that's new or surprising, or experiencing some kind of reward. All of these tend to release spikes of dopamine. And uh, spikes of dopamine tend to engage the sense of reward, especially uh, through the natural opioid system, a feeling of well-being as you accomplish goals along the way. And that's going to tend to undermine uh, a sense of repetitive drudgery, like we talked about previously, uh, experiencing stimulation and novelty and freshness along the way. Also, it's going to help you stay motivated uh, without uh, stressful, wearying, 
willpower fatigue, mm-hmm. of intense top-down forcing of yourself to stay on the job and keep functioning minute after minute, hour after hour. If you are feeling stimulated along the way, you don't have to push yourself to uh, do the job, which itself is stressful and wearying. And as a result, you're able to keep rolling down that highway at full speed without banging into any guardrails. I think that's a great note to end this episode on. So today we discussed healthy passion, which is a very core part of motivation. Healthy passion is really important in driving towards key goals in our lives, but it's also very easy for us to tip from healthy passion, that revving of the sympathetic nervous system accompanied by good emotion, and get veered away from that into more negative states that also have that high degree of sympathetic activation. We took a second to note that it's not so much that sympathetic activation is positive or negative inherently itself, but that it's about the accompanying emotional stimulus that goes along with it. As you gave the example of Tom Sawyer painting the fence, the action is the same, but do you think about it as being fun, or do you think about it as being drudgery? We then closed with you giving four ways that you can move the motivational machinery of the brain towards a more positive stance where you can drive towards those goals with a more felt sense of healthy passion. So that's it for Healthy Passion, and thanks again for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you would rate the podcast and perhaps subscribe to it as well. Next week, we're going to continue the strength of motivation. Most of us have at least a few things that we know would be good to do, but it's hard to do them. In our next episode, we're going to learn about the brain's motivational circuit and what we can do to incline our sometimes tricky minds towards those positive ends. Until then, thanks for listening.